Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to Money Awakenings. I am your host, Larry Morrison, the financial shaman, your guide through these different realities and where to marry the physical and the energetic and the spiritual and how do we make physical money appear when we know it's only energy and all that good stuff. So, if you can't tell, I am on a little bit of a drive, um, which is a good thing because it's been crazy windy where I am here in Colorado. And um, something I wanted to just touch on really quick before we get to the main subject, I was having this discussion with my soulmate, and it was so fascinating to me that... An extremely cold and bitter, bitterly cold winter will make you forget that spring is always coming. A bitterly cold winter will make you forget spring is always coming. It's like when you're in that deep cold, that bone chilling can't go outside unless it's absolutely necessary. When you're in that You forget that no matter what, come March or April sometimes, and of course it depends on where you live, but come March, April, you know, May if you're in like Greenland or something, it's going to thaw out. You're going to thaw out. Spring is going to come. The the, the ice is going to melt. The snow is going to melt. The degrees, you know, the temperature is going to go up. And that's going to happen like clockwork every time. So what is it about winter that makes you forget that spring is always on its way. If you haven't obviously seen the connection, it's the same exact thing when it comes to scarcity. When you're in scarcity, when you're quote-unquote down to your last dollar, when you're struggling, you forget that it's gonna bounce back. It always does. Every time. It goes in waves and cycles. Or seasons. Now, some may last longer than winter, for sure. And it obviously depends on what you're telling yourself when um, you're in scarcity and the actions you're taking from what vibration, of course. For instance, you know, if you believe that scarcity is never going to end and you're taking a bunch of actions and, like, you know, shrinking your life down and, like, now you're living in a tiny home and you're like, I can't make money this way and I've got to hustle and I've got to do all this stuff. When you're taking actions from scarcity, it's going to force the mirror to reflect back to you scarcity. But for most of us, it goes in cycles. It goes in waves. It goes in ups and downs. It goes in seasons. And it's so fascinating because we just talked about recently how when you're up, you can sometimes you forget that you can go down, right? You get arrogant, you get cocky, stop listening to your heart, and the ego sabotages you. Well, when you're down, it's the same way, and I've talked about this before, but it's so fascinating that you literally forget that no matter what, the seasons will always change. Change is inevitable. It is a law of the universe, It is constantly changing and growing and expanding. Now, sure, 
I've had those times where you watch a pattern repeat and you get super frustrated because even though there's change, maybe different characters, different actors in the same play, it's the same story over and over again. Oh, this uh, person seems super nice and they seem like they're in abundance and I'm going to become their business partner. Then I find out they're sociopath or whatever, you know, or dating or anything like that. And so you can watch patterns repeat, but always change is happening. But scarcity literally, or you could say the ego, the ego literally controls the part of you that remembers that spring is always coming. Or remembers, like I've said in the past, remembers that you've been through so much and and got through so much. Like, think about this for a second. Every single shitty thing, every single traumatic experience, every single challenge that has ever come into your life, you somehow or another got past it, got through it, got over it. Every single one you've beaten. And yet this new one that's on your plate is somehow going to is somehow going to be different? What is it about the ego that literally hijacks your perception and for, makes you forget not only that you're God and not only that you have limitless power, but that spring is always coming? And so what I get fascinated by is prayer. You see, people go through the winter of their life. They go through really, really hard, challenging times, right? Or they're going through scarcity. They're going through heartbreak, lack of love, perceived lack of love, rather. They're going through all this stuff, and they forget not only have they been through so much and got through it, but they, when they're going through this down time, they, they go right back into this not good enough story. Because if you remembered that you've been through everything that you've been through, you've conquered, or that spring is always coming, your not good enough story would have to die. But since it's, it sometimes it just grabs your perception and it forces you to look into the darkness and makes you believe that this is never going to end. And this is why a lot of times people commit suicide. They're in extreme pain and they've gotten fooled by their ego into believing that it's never going to end, that it's always going to be this way, that I'm always going to be suffering, I'm always going to be in pain, I'm always going to be in scarcity, I'm always going to be fucking broke. Like, when you believe you know the future, you're susceptible to suicide. Now, there's anything wrong with that. Not that you wouldn't still be loved. But, you know, not, it's not everyone's right to go home if they want to and wake up from this dream. But at the same time, like, what is it about winter that makes us forget that spring is coming? And then when you're going through the winter, what do so many people do? They ask God for help. And, of course, you can ask God for help, but how often, like... How often do we see it from God's perspective? Right? And here's what I mean. God, I am, I am broke right now. I am going through a tough, 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 tough time. Help me, please. I'm in, a, I'm in a cold, bitter winter. And it feels like torture. It's so painful. And God's like, well, I can't make spring come any faster. Right? Like, what do you want me to do? Move the seasons up? 
Now you might think global warming is helping that happen, but let's let's juxtaposition then. Let's say you live like in the desert and extremely hot, you can't go outside. Right? Like I used to live in Vegas. And so you couldn't go outside during the summertime pretty much. And it was it's frustrating, to say the least. But you forget that fall is always coming. That the temperatures are gonna cool down eventually. Right? So you ask God, please help me. And God's like, what do you want me to do? I can't move the seasons any faster. I can't get you out of scarcity any faster. These things take time. It's your job to clear up your vibration, not mine. I mean, I'm here to help. I will help as much as I can. But have you ever tried, instead of asking God for help and asking God, look at it from my perspective, this is super painful. God's like, okay, look at it from my perspective. There's nothing wrong. Everything is happening exactly as it should, as you designed your life to be. You're the creator of your life. I gave you all the power in the cosmos for you to create, and this is what you wanted to create. So why are you asking me for help? Now, if you want to ask for a higher perception, if you want to ask for guidance, of course. But don't ask me to take this pain away. The pain is there to teach you something. There's a lesson here for you. It's asking you to come inside and talk to your inner child or talk to the lower perception that is trapped within you. Right? So, like, how many people actively... Now, people talk about faith, but how many people actively are trying to shift their perception to see it from God's point of view, which is there's nothing wrong. Right? You're like, God, this is... I'm, I'm broke. So what? There's always enough. That's how I design the game. No matter what, you'll always have enough. You will always survive. There's always enough air, food, water, and clothing, and shelter. Right? There's always enough money. What more do you want me to do? You're the creator. You're the one playing with this game. Like, I can't... I can't just, like, here's a winning lottery ticket because that's not what you came here to create. That's not what you came here to do. That's not what it is for you. I mean, maybe a random, you know person has that experience but it's got nothing to do with deserving or worthiness you believe you were brainwashed into believing that scarcity is real and you're constantly blaming everyone else the one percent the government god whatever the bankers the the federal reserve the rockefellers whatever you're doing you're blaming everyone else your boss the economy for for your life decisions. Why? You're the one that's believing in scarcity and therefore causing the mere reality that you came to play with to reflect that back to you. You're the one that believes that this is a hostile universe and I'm here to torture you. Now it's true, when you attach and align with the ego, the universe will break you of that multiple times over and over again. And it will be extremely painful because that's not who you are. And so if you align with it, it's going to break you over its knee. It's going to come and knock your house of cards down so that you remember who you really are. But it's not torture. The pain's not meant to last long. You're not meant to suffer. So the next time you pray, the next time you ask God for help, Take the next step. Try to see it from, your, from, their, from its point of view. There's nothing wrong. 
There's nothing at risk. You are an eternal being. You will never stop being loved. You will never stop being taken care of. What the fuck more do you want? And if that's what you want, why are you the one actively keeping it away from you? Why cannot why can't you accept that right here right now the way your life is is exactly how it's supposed to be according to your design? You designed this game. Your world, your life is designed 100% by you, your higher self, your your soul, your god part of you. Now, you know, the unconditional love that is all that you would call god or you know, the uh, the all that isness, the creator of all things, is there to help you, guide you, suggest things for sure when you're creating your life by design from the other side. And it will help and co-create, of course. But still, it's designed by you. Source gave every single one of us that power. And... You might think to yourself, well, does that mean like there's everything is faded? Everything is already written? Well, A, why is that bad? Because it's you who wrote it. Why does that cause you pain? Because I have this idea that free will is the best. Yeah, you do have free will. Your higher self, which is the God part of you, is the one doing everything. Now, it didn't have the 100% of the blueprint written out about every person you would encounter, everything you would say, everything you would eat, everything you would do. No, of course not. It has a handful of things it needs to do. It has a handful of things it needs to, uh, people it needs to interact with and things that need to happen and, you know, motives, not motives, motifs, if you will, or themes for your life that it has. But a lot of it's created on the fly. Like, you... are in the middle of it and therefore it creates new awarenesses, new understandings and then it's able to write new things in front of you what's going to happen. So it's not a, it's not fate or free will, it's a combination of both except your higher self has the free will more than you do because you're in a time lag. It's the best kind of understanding. You're in another reality that everything is slow coming. And so you don't have the 100% vision, which is why you have to trust your heart. You're the avatar in the game, and your heart is your heart and soul's way of, the highest self's way of communicating to you, hey, do this, I got this set up for you, come over here, we need to go this way. Right, so next time you go to pray... Try seeing it from the highest perception, which there is nothing wrong, and spring is always on its way. And there's stuff here for you to learn in this darkness. There's stuff here for you to learn in this pain. Everything is happening for you. Everything is happening for your evolution and growth. Even the dark times, even the winter. So align with that perception. Nothing is wrong. There's nothing to worry about. Nothing is at risk. I can't fuck up. Just be with it if it's pain. If it's heartache. If you're cold, be cold. The resistance to the cold is going to cause more problems. 
Like you tighten up, your muscles tighten, and you get all her. Don't resist it, just be cold. So, what I want to talk about today, as some of you may know, I've been really challenged to break my workaholism, workaholism addiction. No, if I think that's a double uh, negative or a double, I just said the same thing twice. But uh, my workaholism has been really under fire by my heart lately, and over and over again, like it won't let me work um, very much, uh, which is interesting to watch and watch my reactions and be like, wow. I'm thinking that I derive some kind of value out of how much I produce, and that exposed a lot of stuff. And, and then, of course, you know, encompassing more and more play and more and more fun, and actually living my life, and realizing that you can still get burnt out on your heart's calling, uh, which was a huge awareness for me. And so I've been asked to take it down about a few thousand notches, put it into first gear, and cruise my way uh, through this new thing so a totally different energy and and then being aware of energy and all this but what I was uh, faced with is this and I've talked about it a little bit before but I'd like to expand on it which is the law of diminishing returns it's not a law uh, of the universe but it's a common known commonly known thing so we'll just call it the for lack of a better term, rule of diminishing returns. Um, Because rules can be broken and they can have caveats and asterisks, right? They don't work all of the time. Um, Like a law does of the universe. But the rule of diminishing return is this. Creation is not linear. Meaning, okay, let me tell you a story. This is a story told in a lot of business schools. In Alaska, they have these things. uh, They do the crab fishing, right? And um, there was this certain port in Alaska which didn't have any big, big, like big, big freight type ships. All of them were local mom and pop type ships. You know, nothing gigantic or anything like that. Um, just enough for the people to, to work and feed the family and feed the, the economy, the local economy, the local towns and stuff like that. And what they found was, you know, these, these businessmen came in and they, they you know, found you know, all these amazing crabs and, you know, one small ship goes out and they bring so many tons of crab back and yada yada, right? So, a businessman, a capitalist, comes in and says, well, if we get giant ships and a lot of people will get the same thing. They were thinking linearly. Like, all we have to do is 10x it, right? Um, So all we have to do is do this much and we'll get this much in return. Well, they got all these loans, they did all this stuff, created this, got a giant ocean liner, packed it with people, had all the latest and greatest equipment, they go out, And it was a giant bust. It was a giant bust. Because of a number of factors. But the main thing I'm pointing out here was that it wasn't linear abundance. It wasn't, oh, 
one ship gets, you know, a thousand pounds of crabs, you know, this size times 10 will get 10,000 pounds. No, the ocean only had so much. The only, they had found a natural equilibrium. The, 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 uh, the locals had found a natural equilibrium with mother nature where the, as much as they took, they had plenty, but if they took more, they would deplete everything. And so there just wasn't that many crabs there. And uh, they had all this sonar and all this stuff, and they just couldn't make it work. It was too big for, you know, what was the intention. It was too big for that area and for that part of the ocean. So um, it it was a huge failure, huge business failure. But the main reason they teach that is because a lot of, a lot of things are not linear. And we try to bring linear thinking. When I say linear thinking, I mean step one plus step two, step three equals result. It doesn't work like that a lot of times. And this is why I find it so fascinating when you hear all these internet marketers out there that are like, oh, if you market to 10,000 people and two sign up, you mark to 100,000 people and 200 sign up. No, wrong. That's not how it works. People have to be looking for what you want. You have to have, well, there's so many different variables, just like with the ship and the crabs. There's so many different variables. But the main one is it's not linear. And you can look at through example after example after example where people had a great thing going and then they expanded and expanded and they found an equilibrium where... The, the diminishing returns. Here's another example, right? If you work a job that gets paid per, per hour, let's say you make 20 bucks an hour, right? For ease of math. And you're like 40 hours a week. So that's $800, right? A week. And of course, we're not talking about taxes just for example. So you're like, okay, I make 20 bucks an hour. So 40 hours a week, I made 800 a week. I know what I'll do. I'll get a second job at 20 bucks an hour, right? And that way, the more I'm putting out, the, the more hours I'm putting in, the more money I'm making. Well, here's the problem. If you don't know this, you're going to run into a natural law or a, a rule of diminishing returns, meaning your body can only take so much, your mind can only take so much. Now you're fucking up at both jobs because you're not getting enough sleep. Your mind's all over the place, right? You don't have... No, rest or play and all work and no fun makes jack a doll boy right this is what is known as the, the rule of diminishing returns more doesn't necessarily mean more output we're not fucking robots we're not machines and yet we for some reason get hung up on this linear way of thinking that says oh if I do more I'm going to get more no not necessarily Why do I bring this up? Because someone pointed this out to me recently, and I knew this, but I'm watching it play out in someone else's life, which has given me an aha and a look in the mirror to my own life. Let me give you an example. I've told this story many times. Every single industry that I've been in, which is several now, four, I've burnt myself out. I did it in electrical, burnt out in 10 years 
I went hard at it. I had the 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 vigor of a young man, right? And you know, when I got out of the apprenticeship, which is halfway through my electrical career, I started my own business. And even before that, I was working side jobs, so I'd have my 40 hours a week, plus I'd have side work. Then I started my own business, almost right out of uh, turning out, becoming a journeyman, within the first year, got my contractor's license, and then I was basically unleashed to work as much as to my heart content, or as much as work was there. And so I watched myself work seven days a week, and then have to scale it back to six days a week, and go back and forth, and then there I worked 21 days straight, and like burnt myself out, and had to take a few days off. And so um, then I got burnt out on the entire industry. Right? Well, if someone had been just working their 40 hours a week, they may have made it to 30 years. Instead of like me thinking like, oh, the more I work, the more money I'm going to make, the, the, I'm going to get to where I want to go faster. Of course, I didn't never stop my ass, never stopped and asked myself where I wanted to go because that might have derailed me, which is, of course, an important question to ask yourself. But I burnt out in 10. I did the same thing with real estate, burnt out in four because I was working 80 hour weeks. Now, granted, I became really good at what I was doing really fast. Because I was doing so much. I was working so hard. And of course, my life suffered. I didn't really have much of a social life. Uh, outside of my early 20s, my social life started to diminish. Probably by the time I was 25, by the time I was halfway through my electrical career, my, my social life started to diminish rapidly. Dating less, less time for you know the opposite sex, and less time for friends and you know, all of a sudden it was like oh, I gotta work on 4th of July and holidays and no one ever saw me and um, I, I'm watching it happen in someone else's life there's someone close to me who uh, thinks that they need to bust their ass in this certain stage of their life uh, she's a teenager and she is in AP classes. She's got tons of homework. And she's in sports. And her coach makes her practice every day. And the, and the sport is in year round. And I'm like, you are going to burn out. I've told her this from the moment I heard her situation. I keep telling her every time she brings it up. You're going to burn out. You have to have days off. Think about this. No sport doesn't have an off season for a reason the body and brain need to rest and these are the best athletes in the world you know whether you're talking about football or baseball or basketball or hockey or anything really even Michael Phelps God bless him and now he's super burnt out on swimming but God bless him you know he only works he he did six days a week in the pool where everybody else did five days a week and people will look at that and go, well, that's why he's the best. No, I mean, come on, he had natural talent and ability and his wingspan's ridiculous. Plus, he had a love for the thing, what he was doing, right? So, um, it's not more hours. It's not more time. You cannot get around the 10,000-hour rule to mastery. But getting there faster only means you're going to burn yourself out faster. 
And you might hear this and be let down. I'll tell you a great Zen story. There was this Zen student who said, uh, let's see if I can remember it correctly. There was a Zen student that went to a Zen master and he was just starting out. And the Zen master said, uh, or the, the student asked, how long will it take me to become enlightened? And he said, I, uh, the Zen master said, if you do a, you know, if you work on yourself and work through this stuff and, and you know, really dedicate yourself to this practice, you'd probably, you know, you'd probably be a master and be enlightened in 10 years. And then the student said, well, what if I work twice as hard than like a normal 40 hours a week? And the Zen master said, it'll probably take you 20 years. And the student's like, what? That doesn't make sense. Okay, what if I work three times as hard? It'll probably take you 30 years then. Because what he was trying to, the Zen, the Zen student said, why? And the master said, because you're attached to an outcome. You're trying to get somewhere. You can't master Zen Buddhism by trying to get somewhere. It's just going to take as long as it takes. And what he was pointing to was the law of diminishing returns. And if you think that you are just going to force your way into enlightenment or spiritual practice and force your body and your mind and your heart to go beyond what your soul wants to, you are going to burn out. It's not linear. And even though you can tell that to people, there's still people bringing their motivational crap to this side of things. You know, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to only work five hours. I'm going to only sleep five hours a day. I'm going to drink bullet coffee. I'm going to get up and meditate for three hours and do yoga. I'm going to freaking hang upside down and do a float tank and then do blah, blah. And then I'm going to go kick ass in business and then blah, blah. And it's like, and then I'm going to be kind of enlightened. Wrong. How many of those people do you see? How many of those people do you see that are enlightened masters? There's not one of them. Not even Tony Robbins, the motivational master. He's not, a, he's not a enlightened. By far. It's not linear. It doesn't work like that. And the same thing with the seasons. You have to pay attention to what's happening now. Today is all that matters. And if you're attaching your happiness or your joy or your fulfillment from life to some future outcome, you're already lost. That's why the Zen master was like, it'll take you 30 years to do a trial. You're attached. You're attached to an outcome. You cannot be attached to an outcome. You cannot believe that the destination is gonna make you happy over the journey. Because what happens when you're attached to an outcome? Now you, you have expectations. Now you get frustrated. If you don't see that things are going the way you plan them to go, you pay zero attention to divine timing. You think you know better than God and think, oh, if I, can do, if I do this, this, and this, this should be the result. This is not how it fucking works. If it was that easy, if it was that simple, people would have mastered this years ago. When in fact, Wu Wei is more akin to the Wu Wei simply means effortless manifestation, effortless effort. 
effortless creation, really. You have to let go of linear thought. Oh, I go to first grade? That's when I'm going to go to second grade. I'm going to go to third grade. I know what I'll do. I'll just start reading. I'm in fourth grade. I'm just going to start reading all of my fourth grade stuff and then start to get ahead on the fifth grade stuff too. Wrong. Wrong. Why does this matter? Because this happens to almost every young spiritual entrepreneur that I meet. You try to bring this bullshit workaholism to spirituality and your new spiritual business and think, oh, all I've got to do is shake hands with 10,000 people and I'll have 1,000 clients and you wonder why it doesn't work that way. You wonder why, like, you give up and go watch a movie and someone calls. Because you let go. You stop trying so hard. See, abundance starts with an abundance of perceptions. The next thing that happens is you realize there's always enough. When you realize there's always enough, that means there's enough time to get where you need to go and overcooking will not work, right? Linear thought would say, okay, you bake this cake or this dough or this, you know, basically batter at 350 degrees for 20 minutes. Well, if I ratchet it up to 450, I should be done in 10. No, that's not how it works. It's going to take as much time as it needs to take. Same as your practice, which is your entrepreneurship business. It's going to take as long as it needs to take. And so when you try to push harder, all you're doing is burning yourself out. Trust me, I know. I literally have done it by example. And I tried to bring this motivational rah, rah, rah workaholism to spirituality and got only frustrated and pissed off. Because I was attached to results. Where are the results I thought I was going to have? Couldn't even see that I was attached. Couldn't even see that I was thinking linearly because it's so foreign to think non-linear. We're indoctrinated into linear thinking. One plus one is two. Two plus two is four. Then I learn subtraction. Then I learn division. Go to first grade to second grade to third grade. Right? But then you come here, into the spiritual arena, and you're like, that shit needs to be thrown right out the window. Why do you believe I constantly talk about listening to your heart? Because ironically, you're going to get there so much faster where you need to go by doing things non-linearly. Recently, before I knew that what my heart was doing was trying to break me in my workaholism addiction, recently, I had all these great ideas, great plans even, not, not necessarily plans, great ideas, let's just keep them there, I didn't really, I wrote them down, but I had all these great ideas for what I wanted to do starting January 1st, and I was like, I know that I need to take some rest, my heart's telling me I need to take rest, it's the holidays, let's just take a break. I told my team, 
I told my team, like, let's come back first week of January. We'll start brainstorming. We'll start putting these ideas in place. Came back the first, and my heart's like, nope, we're not doing that. Like, okay. It was almost two months. My heart was saying, you're not doing shit. You can write and, you know, make podcasts and stuff. But you're not doing anything. And then finally, I was so frustrated. I'm like, what the hell? And it's like, why do we care what the clock or the calendar says? What the hell does that have to do with anything? Because you thought that the first of the year was the best time to start it? That's what divine timing was going to be as well? And I was like, ugh. I did not think about divine timing. That's because when you get aligned with the ego or when you get lost in trying to bring workaholism or rah, 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 or motivation or whatever you want to call it, linear thinking, when you try to bring that shit to spirituality, the universe will break you of that. Maybe not right away, but pretty soon, almost right away. And so that's why I'm giving you a heads up. Today, you might get so excited about what you're doing and get into flow that you might build an entire website or build your project or build whatever and you're just gone like in flow for eight hours and you look up and like, wow, what happened? And tomorrow, your heart might, might say, nope, you need to go outside. We're not doing any work today. And you'd be like, what the hell? I just had this amazing productive day yesterday. And your heart's like, yeah, we know. So why would that have anything, anything to do with today? Because what tends to happen is when, we are, when we're productive and we let ourselves believe we're productive, we start to think, oh, I am getting so much done. My dreams are going to be here even faster. I bet you in six months I'm going to be buying a brand new whatever car, you know, luxury car. And your heart's like, <laughs> No. No, that's not how this works. So we're just going to go ahead and break you of that idea. We're not going to let you touch this project for months. And if you try to push past that and say, no, I know better than my heart. I know better than my inner guidance. I know better than my intuition. There's a couple of things that are going to happen. One, you're either going to work tirelessly at something that's going to get thrown away. I, I can't even count as many times as I've done that where there's this new idea, new inspiration, and I push past all my inner guidance and like, nope, this is it, I can feel it. My heart's like, no, take rest, this isn't it, this could change. And I'll bust my ass, make a goal, hit that goal, and the very next day, whatever that thing is that I created was obsolete. And then you look back and go, why the fuck did I bust my ass? Why did I make the goal? Whose goal was this? Why did it have to be done right here? So one thing that's going to happen, you push past your intuition and try to create when it doesn't want to, uh, you're going you're gonna to work at something tirelessly, bust your ass at something that's going to become obsolete as soon as you're done with it or right before you're done with it or right after you're done with it. That happened, I actually did that with my first book on student loans. 
busted my ass to try to make every deadline to get that thing published. And as soon as it was published, half the book became obsolete and the Department of Education changed their website. I had to go in and rewrite half the damn book. Which is all good. I mean, it led to... um, It led to the idea that this the book that I wrote should be ever evolving and I should come update it every three years uh, every, I, I said every three to four years I'm going to come and update it so uh, it's kind of cool because the book's going to be ever evolving kind of like the National Electrical Code but uh, at the time I was super frustrated because I'd worked so hard and then just get wash it be obsolete like two, like two weeks after it was published uh, or the other thing that's going to happen is your creative juices just won't be there. And you're going to be basically putting out work that you don't really like. Because the creative juices, where do you think that comes from? And people say, oh, I'm going to push past and I'm going to tap into that. And it's like, yeah, you'll create some stuff. But without your heart and highest excitement and flow, it's going to be mediocre at best. You're going to think it's amazing because you busted your ass. And everybody else is going to be like, hey, it's okay. You ever had that happen? Where you busted your ass on a project. I mean, no sleep. I mean, worked tirelessly. Finished it. Presented it. People are like, oh, yeah, cool. All right, thanks. Great job. And they were, like, lackluster about it. That's because no one put it on a pedestal like you did. You're the one that did that. You're the one that put everything into it. And then you're upset when people don't see it the way you do. Yeah, because it's not... They didn't attach any kind of meaning to it. They didn't say, like, oh, um, Larry's proved his worth because he finished this project on time. Like, no, your worth was never in question. Right? No one gives a shit. Yeah, yes, there are some projects and deadlines that, you know, I get it. You kind of got to hit. But most of them are arbitrary. Especially when you're your own entrepreneur. All the deadlines are hard for sure. You make them all up, pretty much. Even ask yourself, why does it have to be done right then? Now, immediately what's going to happen is you're going to hear these things, and you're going to be like, well, now you're telling me to be lazy. Kind of. I am kind of telling you to be lazy a little bit. And do you recognize how evil we've labeled laziness there are people that would rather be seen as evil than lazy we have labeled lazy the basically the lowest piece of one of i mean you can say a pedophile or something like that but or a warmonger maybe but like uh, most like most people vilify laziness and celebrate workaholism. Where do you think that comes from? You can't say it's a grand conspiracy because it's just part of the ego game. But at the end of the day, obviously, governments, business, and economy benefits greatly by us vilifying laziness and celebrating workaholism. Even though they know the rule of diminishing returns. I mean, Japan is such an amazing 
example of this. They literally have a word for working yourself to death. I think it's Kiyoshi or Kiroshi or something like that. I have to look it up. I keep forgetting. To work yourself to death. Meaning that your body just is burnt. Your body and mind are burnt and they're like, yeah, we're done. We're out. I don't want to see this keep going in my future experience, so I'm just done. So how do you find the line then? Oh, I'm going to go back to you. I was telling you to be lazy. I kind of am. I kind of am. Because I know you can't bring workaholism to your spiritual entrepreneurship practice. It has to be born from a foundation, or if it was born from workaholism, it needs to be shifted to a new foundation of ease, of following the energy, of listening to your inner guidance, of divine timing. Crud. I think I got off on the wrong exit. I always wonder if you can hear uh, the GPS. Talk to me. Anyway. So I'm, how do we find the line of I'm working too much or not enough? First of all, understand that either one of them is a judgment. Can you follow your highest excitement... And this is if you can't listen to your heart and ask it if, you know, it's time to stop or whatever. But if you can't, can you follow the energy and notice when you're depleted? And then here's, like, if you're excited, you have all of this energy, like, oh, I'm going to build this today. And then let's say around lunchtime you're depleted. Maybe you just need some lunch. Maybe you just need a nap. You know? Maybe we could become energy stewards before we become spiritual entrepreneurs. What if we could be stewards of our own energy? What if we could pay attention... So much that we don't plan the day. Follow me on this. You wake up and you check in. Okay. And I get that, you know, you have to, some people have appointments and I have appointments. You know, I have dedicated times that I talk to my clients and stuff. I get that. But let's just say you're building something, you're doing something, and you wake up and you don't have a plan. You're just like, I'm just going to focus on this as long as the energy tells me to. As long as there's excitement. And of course you'd have to know that your ego can damper your excitement by talking all kinds of shit about what you're doing. But let's, let's, just, let's just stay with me before we get too complicated. Let's say you wake up and you're like, wow, I have all this energy. I'm excited. There's these three facets that I, of this project I need to do. One of them excites me more than most. I'm going to do that. Uh, you know, you're at it for a couple hours. And I feel it starting to wane, my energy and my excitement. Let me look at the other two facets. Oh, there's this other facet, facet B. This excites me now. I'm going to go over here and do that. 
And then you start to wane again, and it's lunchtime. Maybe you got to go eat. Maybe you got to go eat and take a nap. Then you get back up, and you check in again. Is it time? What? Let me look at these. Nope, none of them. Okay, I'm going to go play. I'm done for the day. Or, oh, no, this one, I feel the excitement again. Let's follow it. Or it could be a third option where it's like, I just took a nap. I have my energy. I feel it, but I don't feel it for these things. I don't know why, but my heart is just telling me to call my old friend from high school I haven't talked to in a few years. I'm going to do that. Can you follow the energy as if it's the wind within your sails and let go of the port you're sailing to as if the universe doesn't know? This is what pisses me off the most. Not pisses me off. Frustrates me within myself and within others. We get this arrogance to the point of hubris where we believe we know better than Source. As if Source doesn't want your dream to come true. I've said this many times. I'll keep saying it as many times as I need to. Whatever your highest excitement is, whatever your heart's calling is, you're not the only one who wants to see it happen. Source does too, otherwise it wouldn't have implanted it within you. Or your higher self, if you will. Wouldn't have implanted it within you and started to guide you through excitement on how to get there. So you're not the only one that wants it to happen. So why do you believe you have to push through if the energy isn't there? Because some of you are going, what if the energy is never there? (laughs) You do recognize that that is your ego trying to mess with you, right? Again, you don't know the future. You have today. That's it. What else is there besides today? What if the energy never happens? So what? Oh no, you're going to be labeled as lazy. You'll always have enough, remember? You will always have enough. But if you're going against your inner guidance, you're going against your energy... That's because you think you know better than God or your higher self. What else, what other explanation could there be? Okay, there could be ignorance. You don't know better. I get that for sure. You could be unconsciously doing it. Okay, but besides that, what would be the other excuse for like hearing your inner guidance say, nope, that today it's enough for today and you keep going? Oh, the to-do list, it's almost done. So why can't it be almost done for a little longer? I had this happen to me the other day. I was like, my, my, um, my heart, uh, or my energy rather was waning on this project. And I was like, I gotta be done. And I looked at it. I looked at it and I was like, there's only five more minutes of work. Let me just bang it out. And of course, you know, it, 30 minutes later, I was done. It, there's no reason that 30 minutes can have waited until the next day. Yeah, I was happy to be out, you know, off, off my plate and there's no wrong way to do life. But it's just a small microcosm of a bigger thing. It always takes longer than you think it's going to take. And there's no reason, even if it was only five minutes, that I can't wait till tomorrow when there's energy. Just start by looking at why are you so afraid of being labeled as lazy? 
And it usually has to do with our parents and society and our indoctrination, for sure. But why are we so scared to be lazy? And can we see that anybody who calls you lazy, including yourself, it's all a judgment. It's subjective. So anybody that calls you lazy outside of you doesn't know your whole life story, doesn't know your life path, doesn't know why you're here, and is usually jealous that you're able to do things with very little work because they haven't figured that out yet. So don't let anybody call you lazy. Because how the fuck would they know? Compared to who? It's always a comparison statement. If, you, if someone says you're lazy, if you're like, just answer or reply, compared to who? Who are you comparing me to? And what are these expectations that I need to be different? And do the exact same thing when your ego says it to you. You got to do this. The, this. These words came out of my mouth to myself recently. Just so you know that I'm still working on all this. It said, well, I said to myself, I don't know, it was like midway through the day and I was stewarding my energy and for some reason my energy was low and I just was like sleeping and like resting and playing and it didn't do anything really that day. And I said to myself, well, let me do something so I feel like I got something done today. A normal thought that's I've thought 10 million times that before that day went completely unnoticed. And then I was like, wait, 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 what? Why do I need to get something done today? And then it said, because if you don't get something done, you won't have permission to play. And I'm like, permission? Who the fuck is giving me permission? So it went all the way back to my parents, both parents who didn't agree on anything, but they sure as hell both agreed on hard work was the way to create life, even though both of them didn't do very well with it. Um, as far as hard work burnt both of them. Killed them both. And... Uh, so let me start to wind it down, wrap it up. How do you find that line? You check in with your heart constantly. All of the time. You check in, you meditate on it, you feel the energy. You're going to feel your way through this. The next evolution is through the heart. We've seen how far the mind can take us. Technology is not going to rescue us from ourselves, okay? The next evolution is through the heart and through emotion. And let, let's talk about this. Because even though I preach it and preach it and preach it, it took me until recently to really get this habit broken. You don't work hard to come to a point where you don't have to work hard anymore. That doesn't make any sense. You can't just flip that switch. The switch is literally being broken in me right now. If you work your ass off 60, 40, 68 hour weeks, busting your butt to create something, you think you're just gonna be able to turn it off? If the energy of creation was I need to get somewhere, I'm not good enough, so I'm gonna prove that I'm amazing, remember that workaholics always have something to prove. Usually it's their worthiness and they're trying to prove it through production. 
Workaholics always have something to prove. So if you know that and you are one, what are you trying to prove? Where are you trying to get to? And where do you think that this is going to take you? Because if you believe you know what's going to happen, you're arrogant and you know better than God. You don't know what's going to happen. You only have fucking today. That's it. Today. What are you going to do today? And if your heart is telling you to go play, why wouldn't you want to do that? You think you're going to get somewhere with a bunch of money and then you're going to play? No, that doesn't happen. Why do we need permission to do what our heart wants to do? Who's going to give you that permission, do you think? Who's going to give you permission to play? Who do you think who do you think holds that power over you? If it's not the person in the mirror, then this is a great awareness. truth will set you free means when it's aligned with the truth your belief or perception you feel free isn't it more freeing to recognize and remember that there's always enough and that you have enough time and that you don't need to bust your ass to get somewhere Isn't that more freeing to say, it'll happen when it's supposed to happen? Isn't it more freeing to say, source wants this to happen too, right on time. And I don't know that time, so I've got to listen to my heart. Isn't it more freeing to believe that you don't have to play well, my pronouns are the right word. You don't have to hurt yourself to get somewhere. That you're enough right now. And you're divinely being evolved to match that thing that you want. Isn't that more freeing? To say, I've got a higher self that can see everything and is guiding me. And it's saying I don't have to work that hard. To me, that's pretty freeing when I let go of my own arrogance, self-righteousness, and hubris. I hope something I said has helped you here today. Remember, you don't have to figure all this out today. You just have to do what your heart tells you today. That's it. That's it. My unconditional love to you. We are different drivers on the same road, different clouds in the same sky, different skiers on the same slopes. Be well, be gentle with yourselves. Good journey, my friends.